In the 18 months since this radio program and podcast began, I have never dealt with a topic that I believe is is more important than you're going to hear today. I'm going to play for you a 20-second little soundbite. And if this doesn't open your eyes to what is going on in the world today, I don't think anything could. Science is replacing evolution by natural selection with evolution by intelligent design. Not the intelligent design of some god above the clouds, but our intelligent design and the intelligent design of our clouds. The IBM cloud, the Microsoft cloud, these are the new driving forces of evolution. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Now you might be thinking there are a lot of people that have some some strange beliefs out there. What makes this this guy any more important than anybody else? Well, this is an individual you probably have well, probably never heard of. Maybe some of you have, but most of you probably have never heard of who this individual is. Now his name is Yuval Nova Harari. That's Yuval Noah Harari. He lives in Israel. He is a professor. But he, but here's something you really need to know. Besides being an historian and an author and a professor, Yuval Noah Harari is one of the top advisors to Klaus Schwab and Klaus Schwab's World Economic Forum. He's one of the key players. And there is no doubt that he is looking at the Great Reset and is very content in what he sees. I visited both the World Economic Forum website, where I'm getting my quotes today, and also and also Yuval Noah Harari's website, where I will let you know exactly what he thinks. I'm not going to have to make stuff up. I'm just going right to the sources of these people that are trying to to change the world in which you and I live. And we really need to understand who this individual is, what he believes, and how it is going to impact your life, my life, the nations around the world, and the influence in the days, weeks, months, and even years ahead, if God gives us years ahead. At the homepage of Yuval Noah Harari's website, right there in the top, on the top of the website where you have kind of the normal picture banner that a lot of people have, you find these words. History began when humans invented gods, and it will end when humans become gods. I want you to think on that for a moment. This is one of the great advisors to the World Economic Forum. And and never diminish in your mind the influence that this organization actually has on a global scale. It didn't happen overnight. It has taken roughly four decades for or more for this organization to have the international clout that it does. It has spent the last, oh, almost three decades now 
training young leaders for tomorrow. You know, the young leaders of tomorrow. Many of those young leaders are now middle-aged or beyond, and they sit in the highest places of power in governments all over the world, and those governments include the United States, Canada, the United Kingdom, Australia, New Zealand, France. Do I need to go down the list? The thousands of those that have been trained in Davos, Switzerland, by the World Economic Forum, number in the thousands now. And they have found their way into all facets of government on an international scale. By the way, real quick, I still get emails from an organization that I once was a member. As many of you know, I spent some of my career after the passing of my first wife when I stepped away from from radio and, and ministry for a season. And I worked as a public information officer and then planner in emergency management. And years ago, I was a member of the International Association of Emergency Managers. I'm still on their mailing list, and I still see a lot of their material. And just this morning, as I'm starting to prepare this program and checking some email, uh, I saw an email from the you know International Association of Emergency Managers, IAEM. I've been to their conferences. I have received awards, the Partners in Preparedness Award, a number of years ago, back in 2011. So I'm very familiar with this group. But there's been a transformation going on in the years since I had basically gotten away from emergency management, only came back about two years ago to help a county, one that I never lived in or worked in before, but knew of my work, and help with the pandemic until I realized there's a lot of, shall we say, uh, fibbing or lying going on. Things were not adding up, and I, I just had a crisis of conscience and had to walk away for good. But the many things that I get from the International Emergency Managers Association, they're all about climate change. Everything is now based on climate change. And we must save the planet or we're all going to die. That, that yelling is getting louder and louder in the emergency management uh, group worldwide. And trust me, many emergency managers here in the United States from cities large and small, counties large and small, are generally members of this organization. So so it's not so much that we worry about the mitigation and protecting for natural disaster. Now we have to realize that we're making all the natural disasters, and that must be the next mitigation front in emergency management. Do you see where this is going? So let's get back to you, Yuval Noah Harari, top advisor, as I said, to Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. He's like, I say, this guy, you may not know him that well, but you need to because his influence, his influence is literally, just literally undeniable. By the time he was, what, uh, 20, I'm thinking 26, 
He'd received his Ph.D. from the University of Oxford, and he's currently a lecturer at the Department of History in the Hebrew University in Jerusalem. And he wrote, he's written several books, and one of his books is called Sapienship, and he wrote this book now. I want you to listen. He, are you hearing what I'm saying? He, he, Yovel Noah Harari. He has a husband who's also his his agent, and his name is Itzhak Yahav. Itzhak Yahav. And, and they have a social impact company with projects in the field of, oh, entertainment, education, and their, their main goal is to focus the public conversation on the most important, what they consider, the global challenges facing the world today. A little history on how he developed this relationship with the World Economic Forum. Several years ago, he had been asked to to make a presentation in Davos. I think that was going to be 2017, from what I remember reading. And he declined because he was demanding a bigger stage, a bigger influence, a, let's just say, a big billing. You know how that used to work for stars. I want top billing. And he got it the next year in 2018, and he also spoke again in in January of 2020, both times at the World Economic Forum's main Congress Hall stage. He has got the ears. He has the ears and the attention of Klaus Schwab and all those in the World Economic Forum. The influence this this one man has is is immense, yet you don't know it. He is the, shall we say, the intellect behind so much of the direction in which the world is going today. Now, he gave these keynote speeches on the future of humanity in 2018 and again in Davos in January of 2020. Right before the beginning of the of the global pandemic, like I say, to to be the speaker in the main Congress hall is reserved for the most elite of the world. And what you may not know in the background, this this kind of shy, quiet, unassuming individual, you know, with the little you know wire rim glasses, balding head. Uh, thin, he has the ears and the attention of global leaders and heads of state. Some of the people that have relied on him, listen carefully, some of the people over the past, well, since 2018, when he was put out there as one of the young leaders of the world, one of the most intelligent people on the face of the earth that that leaders must listen to. So so here are the people he he's generally had some you know conversations with. People like Austrian Chancellor Sebastian Kurz, 
Dutch Prime Minister Mark Root, the Prime Minister of Greece. He's also spent time with French President Emmanuel Macron, German Chancellor Angela Merkel back in the day, the President of Argentina. I mean, you, you go down the who's who of world leaders this individual, especially those that have leaned deeply to the left, that have moved deeply to the left, they listen to what he has to say. I'll tell you some. I'll tell you a couple of other people he spends some serious time with. People like Bill Gates, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, over the years, and he recently. And I, I watched this very, very scary video of him sitting down with the, you know, it's now called Meta. Facebook is now Meta, the Metaverse. And it wasn't long ago that he sat down with, you know, Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg to to discuss the the infusion of technology into humanity. Now, a lot of, I've, I've had emails since we started this program about when we use terms like transhumanism. And people are going, oh, Bob, that's just weird stuff. I mean, you're just talking like a 1950s, uh, you know, uh, um, sci-fi movie. Yet whether it could be a reality or not, I'm not going to debate. I don't think that I have, shall we say, uh, it's not my, my wheelhouse. But I can say this much. He speaks with authority on these topics. And he makes a good and solid case, whether for what he believes could be the the merger. It's like he he's saying something that was rather fascinating about, you know, well, you know, the, these human bodies will die, but with technology, we can live. There is something about the things that he has said that I find really really disturbing and you need to as well once again if you're just joining let me play this little quote and this i believe was from the 2018 2018 world economic forum main stage yuval noah harari listen carefully listen carefully and if you don't see this as the direction in which the world is going at least the evil leaderships in the world and that includes many of the western democracies my friend we're seeing bible prophecy play out right before our very eyes and people like Yuval Noah Harari are their disciples and their prophets. Science is replacing evolution by natural selection with evolution by intelligent design. Not the intelligent design of some god above the clouds, but our intelligent design and the intelligent design of our clouds. The IBM cloud, the Microsoft cloud, these are the new driving forces of evolution. Now, like I said, Many people can just kind of dismiss that as, you know, one of those weirdos that are out there in the world. But but this so-called weirdo out there in the world has the ears and the minds and the attention of leaders all across the world. Once again, Yuval Noah Harari, he lectures around the world, all over the world, on topics that he's, you know, put in his books, 
He offers his knowledge and his time to to all these audience. And by the way, he does it on a on a voluntary basis. By the way, he and his husband, these two men, obviously they're big into the LGBTQ movement. They live in a very spacious home where they can they can see much of the country of Israel and they can see the Mediterranean, the beautiful landscape. They do quite well for themselves financially. In, in fact, they have an office. He and his husband have an office in, in Tel Aviv, though they're rarely there. And he employs a staff of 12 people, 12 people. And, and this, is, this is something you need to understand. He, he is quoted often, and he writes articles for The Guardian, The Financial Times, The New York Times, Time and The Economist, and, and, and dozens of other internationally read and, you know, considered important publications. If you go back to 2020... Now, listen carefully. He was asked to write a tremendous amount, and he was interviewed extensively by the media on the unfolding global COVID-19 crisis. And he was discussing the pandemic's implications on all the major news channels that, uh, well, Let's put it this way, the mainstream, including like CNN, BBC, ABC, NBC, CBS. He also was featured in a very, uh, shall we say, complimentary uh, profile piece on CBS's 60 Minutes back in 2021. To give you an idea of what what he thinks. And like I say, you need to listen to this carefully because we're we're moving into a a world that I don't think most people, expect even Christians, are fully prepared to to understand. And here's what he writes. This is from his his book, A, a Brief History of Humankind. This is uh, from chapter 14. Sapiens, that's the name of the book. And this is going to be his chapter, A Brief History of Humankind. This is what he wrote. Until recently, you would not have heard scientists or anybody else speak so bluntly, defeat death. We can defeat death. What nonsense. We're only trying to cure cancer, tuberculosis, and Alzheimer's disease, they insist. People avoided the issue of death because the goal seemed too elusive. Why create unreasonable expectations? This is what he wrote. This, I mean, this, this is Yuval Noah Harari. This is what he wrote in his book. This is one of the advisors of the World Economic Forum and to, you know, the elite of the world, the, the, the leaders, many of, of the Western world. They listen to this, this man and they, well, Many of them, I think, are followers and full believers. You can see it by the way they act. And like I say, here's what he writes. Why create unreasonable expectations? And he says in chapter 14, we are now at a point, however, where we can be frank about it. 
the leading project of the scientific revolution is going to give humankind eternal life. Let me read that again. This is from his book. The leading project of the scientific revolution is to give humankind eternal life. Even if killing death seems a distant goal, we have already achieved things that were inconceivable just a few centuries ago. Now, when I read that quote, something came immediately to my mind. I go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. And I know that many of you are prefer the King James Version, but allow me, for, for good cause, to share this from the NASB. It just makes the language clear. You can read it both, both translations, and you're going to walk away with the same identical impression. So let me read this. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any animal of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God really said you shall not eat of, of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. And the serpent said to the woman, you certainly will not die. God knows that on the day that you, this is what the serpent says, God knows that on the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will become like God. Wow. That's the first thing that came to my mind when I'm reading this, this item about how we can cheat death. We're going to merge our human bodies and then our mind, our mind imprint into the electronic and digital world. Into the electronic and and digital world. The goals of the World Economic Forum, we shared some of that on Monday. And my heart is telling me several things, really important things right now, the likes I've never had since I've even began this program. We need to spend more time uncovering the truth behind these, shall we say, doers of evil, those that are the forerunners of the Antichrist. Yeah, the spirit of Antichrist is here, but there are forerunners all over the world today. When you look at a guy and, and you think, so this, this guy, Yuval Noah Harari, who is he and why is he important? Well, he has the ears and the minds and the attention of those that, that have immense control over every aspect of your life, including government, including the media. When you recognize something that we've been sharing on this program now for a number of months, that here in the United States in particular, and other places even worse, for the first time in, in American history, we have a minority of people that 
are involved in any kind of religion. I don't care what you want to call it. Doesn't matter if it's Islamic, doesn't matter if it's Christian, Buddhist, doesn't matter if it's Shintoism, Hinduism, go down the list of isms. Only 47% of the people are involved in anything that even resembles religion. And of that 47%, we are now down to a very slim minority of true Christian believers. We'd already gotten there in England. We've already been there in Finland, in Sweden, in Germany, in Austria, in Australia. You can name all over Europe. Europe is a post-Christian society. Post-Christian. Christianity is dead. It is dead in its institutions. It is dead in the hearts of most of those that live in Europe. Only a tiny remnant still remains. And I believe because they have lost sight of an almighty God, they, they are now living in total and abject delusion. They can be gods now. We will merge man and machine. We will cure everything. But you have to abide. If you get deeply into any of these talks and videos that I've seen, you must subject yourself unto the authority of these godless governments that seek to have total and absolute control over your life. And for those of you that listen like I do here and, and live in the United States, there is a movement of those godless individuals who want to be gods to take control of the government of this nation, to persecute, condemn, and, and shove the church back underground. They want control of every aspect of your life. They want to have full control of the raising of your children. They will sow confusion and ignorance to get what they want. It has been happening on a global scale in the Western world. It is now well entrenched here in the United States. Like I say, when you recognize the power that that Yuval Noah Harari has in this world, when you recognize that he's a, an advisor not just to the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab, but to leaders all over the globe that, that seek out his wisdom. They want to know what he has to say. And, and they're following the things that he is, is pushing. There was an article that came out right at the beginning of the pandemic, or actually I should say before the pandemic really began. This, is, this was from the February 2020 um, edition of The New Yorker. So obviously this interview is probably done in 2019, maybe in January of 2020. And this article was with, with Harari's husband. Remember, I told you, you know, that he is, these are, he's married to another man. So these two men are, quote, husband and wife. And, and his husband had this quote 
in The New Yorker. He goes, if Harari wasn't always out in public, one might mistake him for a recluse. He's shy. He spends part of almost every appearance denying that he is a guru. But when speaking at conferences where the CEOs of the biggest companies in the world, when they meet with public intellectuals, or when he's visiting with Mark Zuckerberg at Mark's Palo Alto house, or maybe the Elise Palace in in, in Paris. He'll put his long finger to his chin and quietly answer questions about Neanderthals, self-driving cars, and the series finale of Game of Thrones. Harari's publishing and speaking interests now occupy a staff of 12 who work out of a sunny office in Tel Aviv where an employee from Peru cooks everybody a vegan lunch every day. This is from an article in The New Yorker. These are the elites. These are the elites. God says right in his commandments given to Moses on Mount Sinai, thou shall have no other gods before me. Yet today, today this world is wanting to become gods. They want to take God's place. They are going to recreate this world digitally. We won't need bodies anymore. We'll just blend into our cell phone. There's something else from the article. I want to share this. He thought of Harari as a genius geek when they first met. Yahav, who is, you know, the husband, was a producer at that time in theater and is now known for making bold and sometimes outlandish demands on behalf of his husband and client. And he says, only because I have the one author. He's the only guy that I have to be in charge of. He told me, in a car, he noted that he had declined the invitation, the first one he ever had, to the World Economic Forum. I mentioned this before because, well, the proposed panels were just not good enough for a man of this, of this intellect. And then he got the main stage. By the way, he got uh, the time on that stage between Angela Merkel and Amon, uh, Emmanuel Macron. In other words, he now was among the top, among the top of the world. Do you see the danger that we have today? Do you see it? We're being deceived. This pandemic was about control. You know it and I know it. The vaccines, I think, are about shortening human life in the long run. You may not agree with that, but that's all right. I'm not not asking, I'm not saying you have to agree with everything I ever say. Now, before I go to the break, let me remind you once again of the words of Yuval Noah Harari and what he firmly believes in what he said 
at the World Economic Forum. Listen carefully and make sure that this resonates. Science is replacing evolution by natural selection with evolution by intelligent design. Not the intelligent design of some god above the clouds, but our intelligent design and the intelligent design of our clouds. The IBM cloud, the Microsoft cloud, these are the new driving forces of evolution. Like I said, Please understand that this individual, Yuval Noah Harari, has the ears and the attention and the respect of so much of the entire international community, academics, business, yeah, businesses too, listen to the words that he has to say. Big business like the pharmaceutical companies, listen to him. Governments all over the world, listen to what he has to say as their gospel. You may have never heard of him before, but what you're hearing is what I believe is a prophecy of sorts of the world that the Antichrist desires. Yeah. The spirit of Antichrist is already here. We can find that in the scripture. And if people think we're going to fix things at the ballot box, you are highly deceived. I've been telling you, you're not going to fix it in 2022 or 2024 or any other time. We are on a trajectory to a time unprecedented. Now, do you believe in the work we have here at Truth to Ponder? Would you let me know how you listen to this program? We are on shortwave radio and also as a podcast. Let me know if you can. If you can help us pay for the airtime, our bills are coming due next week. Our mailing address is 5753 Highway 85 North. That's 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. That's number 3248, Crestview, Florida, 32536, Crestview, Florida, 32536. You can also find out more at our website, truth2ponder.com. We will take a break and we will continue on the other side. It's important you stay with us. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. A very Jewish thing to say in a moment. Shalom Alechem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out. Receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Now Esther has struggled with a problem. If she went to her husband, the king, to save the life of the Jewish people, she risked losing her own life. Finally, she sent this message back to Mordechai, her uncle. If I perish, I perish. Now, what kind of statement is that? Logically, it says nothing. If I perish, I perish. Of course, otherwise you wouldn't have perished in the first place. But Esther is saying something real important. You see, it's a very Jewish thing to say. If you were worried about the possibility of rain, your Jewish grandfather would say, if it rains, it rains. Or you're worried about getting rejected, he'll say, if they don't like you, they don't like you. Or you're worried about getting fired. If you lose your job, you lose your job. What does it all mean? Well, the translation of this Jewish expression is this. It's not the end of the world. It's not the biggest tragedy. There are more important things. Life goes on. So what does it mean when Esther says, if I perish, I perish? She's saying, if I die, it's not the end of the world. 
Life goes on. There are more important things. But wait a minute. If you perish, it's, it is the biggest tragedy. The world does end for you. Life doesn't go on. But that's the point. Esther's getting to a blessed place. She realizes there are greater things than her earthly life and trying to survive. And that is to please God. Because if she loses her life for his sake, it won't be the end of the world for her. She'll be blessed forever with something much greater. So you too, my friend, whatever your fear is, approach it in a Jewish way and tell yourself, so what? It won't be the end of the world. I don't have to fear it anymore. I've got a treasure that's greater. And if I perish, I perish. Want more? Ask for, for such a time as this. Now imagine being plugged into a special line that lets you in on future events, the news behind the news, biblical prophecy, updates on Israel, and what you need to know as an end-time believer, plus teachings and strength for every day of your week, and the incredible mystery of the temple doors all free. How do you get all this? Easy. Just remember Jesus' Hebrew name, Yeshua, and dial it. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. Call now. It's so easy. You'll be blessed. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. I invite you to join with me to reach the unreached peoples of the world in the most incredible way from Moscow to Madagascar to Jerusalem. Just call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct. The Nice Jewish Boy at Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's a nice Jewish boy. It's box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Well, until next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying, Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to you, my friend, and Messiah, Ro'eha Tov, the Good Shepherd. To ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of this Thursday edition of Truth to Ponder. And I am your host, Bob Bierman. This has been a busy week, another week or two or three of some busyness on the project that I'm doing in partnership with WRMI. A listener wrote and said, Is there a lot of secrecy on this? Why the secrecy? Don't they have 14 transmitters? Well, Right before the end of the program, I'll give a real quick update and and answer that question. And then that'll kind of put that to rest. It's just a project that I wanted to be sure it was all going to work before I got everybody's hopes up too high. Well, this first segment of the program, we dealt with one particular individual that has the ear, the attention of global leaders, the World Economic Forum, you name it and why it's so important and why it should be important to you and your family and your children and grandchildren and if you're old enough, great-grandchildren. There's been this systematic, you know it and I know it. This is nothing new. There has been this systematic, well, shall we say, God being thrown out of the marketplace of ideas. When you look at things like Facebook, now known as Meta, and Twitter, and YouTube, and Instagram, and any of the the larger social media outlets. Over the past maybe three, four years, maybe not quite five, but they have been gradually tightening the reins, the reins on what you're allowed to think and say. It's a process. If Facebook had started out with the concept that we will censor the things that you say, 
you are not allowed to be a free thinker. If Twitter had said, only leftist comments are allowed, all others shall be banished. If any of the social media giants we have today, if any of them had said that from from day number one, they would have been financial disasters and Wall Street failures. But no, they all came into the marketplace with deceit. They all said this is a free speech forum. Share from your heart the things that are on your mind. Reconnect with family and friends. All of them. Twitter did it. Facebook has done it. Instagram, all of them. They want to be the arbitrators of which you are allowed to think. You look at the the new head of Twitter. His name escapes me, but his own quote that free speech is not their thing. They want to control the conversation. They're very blunt about it now. But if that had been said back in 2007, 8, and 9 when all this was starting up, they wouldn't have the impact they have today. They deceived you into coming into what you thought was a free speech zone. And they've used very, very influential code writers, people that understand psychology, algorithms, you name it. And so many people are afraid of losing their Facebook status or being suspended for 30 days or 60 days or banished that they capitulate frequently to the desires of their Facebook and Twitter lord and masters. They're addicted to these sites. Personally, if I got banished, I could care less. I'll find something else. And maybe it's time that we as Christians begin to invest our minds and our hearts and our our efforts and our labors into stop supporting the things of this world as much as creating the things that we're going to need in the days ahead. Twitter's an echo chamber for the most part now. You, you, You can't go against the narrative. Look what happened. Just a satire site of all things. A satire site. Babylon B. Sometimes their satire is is more true than truth in this world today. After all these major publications called people like Rachel Levine, Richard Levine, by the way, a guy that spent the first 50 years of his life being Richard Levine, father of children, known as a male and married, decides one day... I am a woman, hear me roll. In numbers too big to ignore Man, I feel like a woman So as many of you probably know Last week A formerly respected newspaper USA Today uh, Named Richard Levine Yes, that's his name at birth Richard Levine As Woman of the Year Which I think is ridiculous The man is He's a man Father of children has been a man all his life until 50 years ago and he decided he felt more like a woman. And somehow now you have him being made USA Today's courageous 
Woman of the Year. It's insanity. You even have the Surgeon General of the United States, Vivek uh, Murtha, who I think is um, intellectually derelict and I think very compromised because of his ties to Big Pharma. He has zero business with the millions of dollars that he has made from Big Pharma being the United States Surgeon General. He's a reprobate, unworthy of the job, and and he's so proud to make Richard Levine the first woman admiral. He was the most ridiculous, mind-bending thing I've ever seen. Yet we are being beaten up and told we must comply. We can't challenge any of this anymore. This is the new narrative. What is right is wrong. What is wrong is right. What you see with your own eyes, you can no longer believe. That's what they tell you. We tell you what to think on social media. We tell you from the propaganda ministries like the American Broadcasting Company, NBC News, CBS, CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, paper after paper are now birdcage liners of no value because they have abandoned the concept of truth. The truth is no longer in them. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but even Fox and Newsmax are becoming increasingly compromised. You know, it wasn't that long ago that Fox and Newsmax took quietly that those millions of dollars put out there by the federal government to promote the vaccine, not just in the commercials and the public service announcements, but even their staff, even their staff compromised their journalistic integrity to be paid spokesmen for the government vaccine program. I don't trust any of them anymore. We need, we need more sites to, to provide news. I know there are a lot of people out there. And, and a lot of places do a great job. I, I have to do my research and look every day. One of the most important things is to do it from a biblical perspective. But, but to give you an example of where we are, we have transgenderism out there. We have a guy who ranked 400 and whatever in the nation in swimming is now the top swimmer as a female. And by the way, his male anatomy is still intact. He's still a man, but we are to believe that he's a woman because he, he also believes he's a woman. And I have to understand, is that a reprobate mind, deceived mind, or a cunning mind? Don't quite know yet. This week, as many of you know, we have some hearings going on for the next Supreme Court Justice of the United States. Kentanji Brown Jackson, who was uh, appointed by President Biden to fill a soon-to-be-vacant seat on the Supreme Court, was asked a question, one that I'm sure you've heard this, was asked a question by Senator Marsha Blackburn, Republican of Tennessee, simple question that anybody should be able to answer, She was asked, very simple question, 
Can you define the word woman? Uh, can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? N- not in okay. this context. So I'm you not a biologist. The meaning of the word woman is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition? Senator, in my work as a judge, what I do is I address disputes. If there's a dispute about a definition, people make arguments, and I look at the law, and I decide. So I'm not... The fact that you can't give me a straight answer about something as fundamental as what a woman is underscores the dangers of the kind of progressive education that we are hearing about. Now, now think about that for, for just a moment. Here's a woman that went to Harvard Law School. By the way, Harvard has a medical school and a school of biology. I'm sure somewhere in her lifetime, maybe in even junior high and high school, middle school, whatever you want to call it, there was some basic biology classes. You don't need to be a biologist with a degree to be able to answer a simple question. What is a man? What is a woman? Won't do it. I guess a man or a woman is now a social construct, a mental illness decision. I don't know. What is it? But before you fall into that trap, let's go back to, oh, I think it was June 30th of last year when the question came up about if a Supreme Court justice nomination would open up for the Biden administration. What would be the criteria? And listen to this reporter's question because it covers the area of sexuality and gender, and also it covers race. Listen carefully to the question, then listen to the answer. You have said you would put a black woman on the court should a spot open up, but there are groups calling for you to release a list of specific names you'd put on the court. Are you going to do that? We are putting together a list of a group of African-American women who are qualified and have the experience to be in the court. I am not going to release that until we go further down the line of vetting them as well. Now, to be sure, and make sure you happen to catch this, notice the criteria that the Joe Biden administrator handlers or whatever made made conditional about the next Supreme Court justice nominee. There were going to be two important criteria. Two. Just two huge mandatory criteria. Number one, the race construct. The person would be a black person, a person of color. Nothing wrong with that, just to be clear. But it was going to be now a a criteria for the selection. Okay, that's criteria number one. So what was the other condition to be on the short list to be nominated to the Supreme Court? What what did what did Joe Biden say? Uh, they were putting a list together of women. So let me see if I 
if I understand this. A woman who is Harvard educated, the daughter of two educators, was unable to come up with any kind of a definition of a woman or refused to do so for politically expedient purposes. In other words, <laughs> in other words, gender now is a social construct. It's not a biological fact. What else are not biological facts any longer that become social constructs? I've said for a long time, and it's not a popular thing to say. And I know someday it's going to get me in a lot of trouble, get me, you know, what little social media footprint this radio program still has left. We don't use it very much at all. I'm only involved with social media for one thing, to observe from the outside what people really think and say. Yeah, I've got a few friends, and I do some things for ministry with it. But it is a glimpse to the world in which we live. And so here, an educated, Harvard-educated woman has to be a woman because, see, if she wasn't a woman, how could how could Biden nominate her? Had to be a black woman. So we we, unless by looking at the picture, maybe she's not black. I don't know. What was that gal's name who decided uh, to become black and identified as black and and was all upset when her parents outed her? Is everything about our humanness now a social construct so we can be deceived, torn apart, minimized, confused? Apparently, we have men winning all kind of women's sports. And we're told to believe all of this. I I guess if a guy, I don't know, I guess we have to believe all women if a guy says he's a girl. I guess that's what the women said. Do you understand how ridiculous all this sounds? It is the product of what the Bible, I've used this a thousand times, and I'll keep using it again until it really, it stands firm in your heart. It's the reprobate mind that is out there. Reprobate mind. It is also delusion. It is also Delusion. Saw an article the other day, real quick. Now, I can remember growing up as a kid, watching a television program on Sunday night. Our church that I attended did not have a Sunday night service. Some did in the South. The wonderful world of Disney. Walt Disney himself was the host. And everything was unmitigatedly G-rated. G-rated. No no secret political agendas. Movies and cartoons that Disney made way back, way back when and into the 60s. They were family safe, family friendly. And then after Disney's death, the company was taken over by, in my opinion, in my opinion, money-hungry reprobates. And these people are of derelict 
and morally questionable character that took over. It's not just their love of money. It's their love, I believe, of other things that has come out in this process that I, that I find very disturbing. And here's what I, what I noticed in an article. This article states t- today that after a major outcry, Disney CEO Bob Chappick has promised to make more gay content content for kids and has reintroduced a kissing sequence between two women in the next Toy Story spinoff called Lightyear. Yesterday, Disney employees protested the company's tardy response to the Florida Don't Say Gay bill, which means if they're calling it that, they never read it. I live in Florida. These reprobates didn't read the bill. They just don't want to be exposed for the perverts that they are. They don't like the idea that parents are fighting back against the company's last-minute attempts to shield itself from allegations that it isn't going to do enough to support the LGBT community. And my question is, what does being gay have to do with a theme park? This has gone insane. This has gone beyond the pale. That things like Disney have been so polluted, warped, destroyed, and turned into something something ugly and now evil. Don't support that company in any shape, manner, or form. Don't even buy the old stuff. The company needs to have a message that they're reprobate, disgusting, and dangerous. That's what they have become. On that, there's no doubt. I'm going to spend more time on this topic tomorrow. And as I try to do more frequently, get into God's Word and see if I can tie all this together to understand that we as Christians, hey, we have to stand firm. I'll be sharing a little bit out of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Read it for yourself if you get a chance. Verses 1 through 17. 1 through 17. Second, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 17. That'll be pretty much my topic for tomorrow as we tie this week together. We will never find comfort in this world if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, are you a believer in the work that we're doing here at Truth to Ponder? Would you consider supporting us and helping us with the monthly financial cost of remaining on radio? Our mailing address, make the check payable to Ancient Word Radio, is Truth to Ponder 5753, 5753, Highway 85 North, number 3248. 5753, Highway 85 North, number 3248. We are in Crestview, one word, Crestview, Florida, and the zip code is 32536. That zip code, again, is 32536. You can find out more at our website. Like I said, tomorrow, I'm going to try to tie everything you've heard this week together in the light of God's Word. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to ponder. 
Shining the light of truth in a darkening world. Power Penny days are back, just in time for spring at JCPenney. Stock up on wardrobe staples to home essentials, like tees for the family, select styles starting at $7. Soak up the savings with $5 home expressions, quick dry bath towels, and an array of colors. Or use your coupon to save an extra 25% store wide. Incredible prices, spectacular savings. Hurry and Sunday. JCPenney offers in coupon valid 324 to 327. Some exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. Power Penny deals excluded from a coupon.